Today I've got Alexander Sims here uh, on the feeder series. He uh, came fourth this year in uh, the F3 Euro series. Alexander, can you just describe uh, how you felt your season went this year? Yeah, the season was uh, a little bit difficult. Um, it's not quite what we'd hoped coming into the season, if I'm honest. Uh, fourth in the championship, equaling what I did last year, wasn't where I had sought myself coming um, going into the year, having moved to ART. But nevertheless, we had some good times during the year, um, learnt a lot, and I think the situation with, with the Volkswagen's signature, um, it was just a little bit out of our hands, and signature just did a very, very good job this year. ART was still good, but we just got beaten fair and square. How do you feel uh, the F3 Euro Series as a series is going? Because clearly the numbers have been dwindling more recently. Do you think that series still has its kind of Im as much impact as it did, say, when I guess Lewis Hamilton and, and those kind of guys were in it maybe three or four years ago? Um, it's very difficult to say. Um, I mean, with AI pulling out as well for next year, um, it's difficult to see it. Coming back to uh, well, even even last year, we had I don't know pretty good numbers twenty two twenty four cars on the grid and very very competitive. Um, and it was very competitive this year actually as well, but it's just the numbers on the grid that they struggled with, and I think they will struggle again next year. Um, and so it's very difficult to see it coming back to how it used to be. As a, a driver yourself, you're clearly looking to move up and you've been testing GP2 and GP3 cars this year and we'll talk about that later. But how does uh, the process of you kind of, I guess, your next season work? How do, When do you start looking and do you approach teams or do they come to you? Well, this winter it's a little bit different just because I'm working with Gravity, uh, my management company. And so they do quite a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, whereas... In the previous years, I would have done that. Um, so now it's a little bit more relaxed for myself. Um, but yeah, generally, you need to have had pretty decent results in the year's rating to be able to go to teams and justify your interest. Um, and then it's just a, I don't know, it's just a case of talking to them, seeing how they feel, trying to get a test. If you get a test, then you try and show them how good you are on the track, um, and then it just goes from there. It's quite a simple process, really. What kind of part do the uh, awards like the BRDC, Rising Star, and Autosport Young Driver Award play in your kind of own branding as a driver? Is it still relevant now, even though you won it two years ago, or, or are the teams really only interested in it in kind of the year that you win it? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, yeah, with the award, it's probably something that you can keep next to your name for forever. Um, after you've won it, then you sort of progress. And so, yes, it does become a little bit less relevant to F3 and GP2 teams. Um, but it, it, that's more a personal, personal award just because uh, of the experience you go through and the contacts you get from it. But... Uh, with the other schemes, the Team UK and uh, Superstar, BRDC Superstars, um, I don't know, they, they don't have so much involvement with the team themselves. So um, the answer to your question is not not much really. Um, they're, they're both just 
specifically for the driver um, to improve the driver and bring the driver on. So, I mean, having them next to your name, having them on your car, it doesn't really affect the, the team's decision much um, and how the team views you. It's more just trying to get the most out of yourself and, and do the best job possible. That, uh, like you just mentioned the, the Team UK uh, Race Elite um, that's kind of a new scheme in the last two years. Yeah. Can you just tell us more about that program and what it does for you as a driver and kind of what it includes? Yeah, the Team UK scheme's um, really very good, actually. Um, it sort of has moved on from the MSA driver, Racing Driver Elite scheme, uh, which started, I think, four years ago now. Yeah, four years ago. Um, and... Uh, the people running it, it's David Brabham and Fiona Miller and Peter Briggs are running it uh, for the MSA and they really focus at pretty much everything a driver needs um, whether it be the mental side of the sport so that we, we get mental preparation and mental advice um, to the technical side where we go to all sorts of different manufacturers uh, and have the parts of the car explained and how we can use them and utilize them better uh, to either give us lap time or try and help us just understand the car better so that we're, we're kinder to it, so that reliability is better. Uh, so then they take us on media trips, team bonding trips, um, sort of mental toughness trips. I mean, it's, it's probably two or three days out each month um, to... Yeah, various different places throughout the year um, and it's very very good to bring a young driver on that's not necessarily got so much experience just a year or two of Formula Renault maybe uh, where you just work with your one, one engineer and maybe ask him some questions but you don't necessarily get a full overview of what, it need, what you need to have uh, in your stocks as a racing driver uh, and they show you that and give you all the information you need very very good program yeah no it definitely sounds it um let's just go back to gp2 the cost uh as we've been hearing in the kind of past few months is now going back up again because of the the new car and prices being quoted at around two million pounds how do you even start thinking about getting that kind of money together um it's pretty crazy uh, i think it's <laughs> Anyone speaks about it, no matter how much money you've got, if you've got to spend £2 million in a year, it's a, it's a serious investment. Um, but I, mean, I wouldn't be able to be in the situation I'm in without gravity. And I'm very, very thankful that they chose me and um, are supporting me because they sort of look after uh, the payment. Um, and so there's that side of it that's fantastic about gravity and also the the management side improving my career and getting me as far as possible but yeah without them i wouldn't be racing at this level uh, now and thinking about gp2 as an option because yeah, to spend two to raise two million pounds and spend two million pounds in one year is is crazy really um and so i very very thankful to them but it, it is really crazy to just think about how much money it actually costs when you whistle it down to the 10 race weekends and a few test days. 
Do you think there's a danger for the series that people are now going to be starting to be priced out of the series given how the cost is going up and probably will continue to go up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a case in motorsport for a long time now um, that every now and again you do get a very good driver not able to make it to the top simply because he doesn't have the funds and the backing. Um, And yeah, I think GP2 is increasing the likelihood of that happening um, this year because of the costs involved. Uh, But it's difficult. At the end of the day, it costs a lot of money. um, So there's not a massive amount that we can really do in terms of reducing the costs as as a motorsport as a whole. Uh, I mean, there's, there's not massive amount of track time in GP2, so that's not going to be reduced. Um, the cars have got to be high performance, and as F1 keeps moving along, then GP2's got to try and get close to it. And I guess at the end of the day, that costs money. Um, so it's a very difficult conundrum that I think motorsport faces itself in, the fact that it costs so much money and so many people will go by the wayside simply because they can't afford it rather than them not being good enough. You uh, recently tested uh, for two different GP2 teams and some three different GP3 teams. Can you just tell us how those tests went and what you learnt? The test, test days went actually very, very well. Uh, it was very interesting to go with so many different teams and, and work with them. Uh, I've never really done that before in my career where you sort of chop and change teams day to day. Um, and I'll start with GP3 testing that was in Jerez um, and I tested with the ART, Tech One and Status um, all three very good teams and yeah it took a little bit of time to get used to the car the car's quite different to a Formula 3 car there's um, a fair bit more weight in the car which affects the balance in the high and low speed corners compared to a Formula 3 car in different ways but um it was a good experience and learned quite a lot. And if, if there is an option of doing GP3 next year, so having done that test and understanding the car and the teams a bit better, I think we've got a good good situation to make a decision. Um, and then the GP2 testing in Abu Dhabi with ART and racing engineering uh, was uh, really, really good, actually. Um, it was the first time I've really driven anything of that sort of power uh, on a test day, except for my McLaren test, uh, the GP2 time was 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 very good experience in the car, and it was nice to see progression through the two days. Uh, started off, got to be honest, not so competitive. Um, took me a little bit of time to get used to the car and what it needed as it needed uh, for driver inputs, and then yeah, I got got it all together on the second day and. Uh, was quite competitive, so I think if either way, we were in a quite a good position for next year, uh, depending on GP2 or GP3. Given that the car that, that you test is the same car between teams, how different do they feel, and how, how could you describe the different feeling, or is it kind of just a purely set-up preference? Um, it's, it's difficult to know exactly what the differences are in the setup, but um, I know but as a driver, they do feel very different. Uh, the GP3 car, particularly between the three teams, there was a very different uh, feel and a very different way of going about achieving the feel that you needed. 
Um, so yeah, it's very difficult to answer the question in terms of technicalities, but uh, there's definitely a, a, quite a big difference. And even though the base car is the same, you know, it's uh, quite strange to think that one car, or one team goes about setting the car up for understeer, one for oversteer, and at the end of the day, the lap time is within a couple of tenths. Um, it's quite strange <laughs> to think that that's possible. When it comes down to it, when you make your decision, uh, does that really come as a big factor into it? If one team you felt that the car wasn't to your liking, uh, you'd definitely go with another team, even if it, uh, I, I don't know, as opposed to sticking with another team that you might have got a bit more performance out, but it would have been a harder car to drive. Yeah, um, I mean, the test, the pre-season testing, uh, like the GP2 and GP3 stuff that I did, um, it's kind of quite difficult to read too much into the, the performance of the car because obviously you're only testing on one day at one track um, and the season's long and you've got to look at how the team works as well. Uh, the personnel in the team and how you feel their ability is to to work with the car and driver to improve it continually throughout the year. Um, so I think the the single day performances do have a bearing on your decision, but um, it's not ultimately so so important. It's more your feeling with the team and uh, your feeling with how they they're going to work with you throughout the year that makes your decision. GP3 was a new series for this year, and you've just uh, finished Formula 3, and you've tested GP2 as well. How well do you think the GP3 series fits into that gap, both in a kind of feel-and-performance way and in a series, in the, kind of, in the whole broadness of the series with its calendar and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I think GP3's got its place. It's definitely got its place. Um, being on the Formula 1 support uh, program, then uh, it's always going to be an attractive option uh, to be able to race at the F1 weekends. Uh, it's very, very good. Um, but it, in terms of between the two cars, it's difficult to, to say GP3 is a particular step up from F3. It's possibly a sideways step uh, on par with the Formula 3 championships. Um, but yeah, it's got its place because Formula 3 doesn't have any races with F1. So if you're able to, to race in the F1 package at a Formula 3 stroke GP3 level, um, it's pretty good to be able to get your name out there and be able to start milling around the people that you want to work with in the future. You, as a whole, uh, in your career, you've tested a lot of different types of cars, including World Series, uh, Auto GP, and lots of historic cars as well. How do you approach driving each new car and when they're potentially so different uh, and when time is so limited in them? Mm -hmm. um, strange. When you get into a brand new car that you've not driven before, um, like yeah, the Auto GP, for example, was almost the complete opposite of the Formula 3 car that I had been driving all year um, in terms of power, downforce, weight. It's, I don't know, you, you sort of consider what the car's performance is and where its strengths are. But at the end of the day, all you need to do is understand how to make the car as quick as possible around the lap. And so you just, you speak to your engineers beforehand, but it's just a case of getting in the car, going out, 
getting a quick feel for it and then just getting on with the job um, and working out your breaking points, how much speed you can carry through the corner and uh, how best to, g to get the car positioned so the traction's, traction's good. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's not so amazing to be driving different cars because you're just doing the same job. It's nice and it's a good challenge, but um, it's still challenging if you're driving the same car for five years. You know, you're still always looking for that little extra bit. But um, and there's no rocket science to it. You know, you just get in and, and try and be as, as good as you can all the time. So it's not a case of uh, a better car or a worse car. It's more about uh, how the car feels and I guess how you approach that and um, how how much time I guess it takes to get your head around that. I guess it depends where yeah, you're coming from. Exactly, because if we drive, if you drive a mini around a track, you know it's going to still take you a little bit of time to understand its performances um, and its strengths. But uh, yeah, it's just a case of getting in, understanding the car's strengths and weaknesses, and then getting on top of them as a driver uh, and trying to exploit them as much as possible. But, um, obviously, the bigger the performance difference, then the slightly longer it takes. But uh, it's still the same process, you know. It just takes a little bit longer. You've mentioned it uh, earlier, but uh, about a month ago, you, uh, as part of your Young Driver Award Prize, you got to drive the Formula One car at Silverstone. Can you uh, just describe that experience? It's very, very difficult to put into words, if I'm honest. Um, pretty much awesome. Uh, it's probably the the main word that comes to mind when you think about when I think about the experience. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to to describe because going into it I had all these expectations um, of what it would be like and how amazing it would be but you never really have that feeling to be able to compare it with um, having just driven Formula 3 cars so to actually put my foot down uh, on the first straight that I came to uh, was incredible to feel how much power this car had and then after the installation lap to then drive at some speed uh, with all that downforce and braking ability was incredible, really incredible. Was it the acceleration or the braking that impressed you the most about it? Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to single out one thing from a Formula 1 car that's impressive because the whole thing is super impressive. Um, I mean, I guess it the one thing would be the, the massive amount of downforce that you have and then being able to hit the brakes seriously hard. Um, but I can't really single that one thing out as being awesome um, because everything about it was, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Given that you've just come from Formula 3 and you're, you're still maybe a step or two potentially from Formula 1, what do you take away from a test like this? It's, just, it's all about the experience. Um, it's not about lap times the team know that they're only giving you 15 laps and it's very very unlikely you'll be able to do anything that that impressive uh, so it's, it's just about the experience and finishing off the award prize um, that is sort of the, the main point about the award the Formula 1 test that is the, the main prize um, and it's just the experience. It's incredible as a driver to be able to 
get the opportunity to drive a Formula One car, which if you're entered into the McLaren Autosport Award, then Formula One's probably your dream. Um, to be able to get that is incredible, uh, really, really incredible. Can you uh, tell us your plans for 2011 or have they not yet been uh, confirmed? I wish I could. <laughs> um, no, it's either GP2 or GP3, I think. Uh, but I'll have meetings with Gravity in the next couple of weeks and, and we should decide there and then. But at the moment, I, re- I really have no idea. In an ideal world, what would your your preferred one would be? Whichever one progresses my career the most. Um, there's no point doing a year in GP2 if you're not quite ready for it. But um, it's better to sort of do a year in GP3, prepare yourself, and then hit GP2 hard. But I personally think I'm ready for GP2 and would do a very good job in it. But we'll see. I mean, I, I just want to think about the bigger picture. Um, and think what's best for us to get to Formula One. Uh, so I'll have a meeting with Gravity, as I said, and we'll, we'll decide from there. It's very difficult to say at the moment, though, as to which is really the best way to go. Last year, you won uh, two races in the Radical uh, European uh, Championship at Silverstone. Is there any uh, potential leeway in the future, maybe, for a move to sports car if a single-seater career didn't work out? Because you, you won both races uh, very well. Um, it's obviously something to think about, yes. Um, as a young driver, thinking about sports cars doesn't happen too much. You're sort of focused on Formula One, and you know that if Formula One doesn't work out, then there are other options. But that Radical race at Silverstone was a bit of fun. I know the people from Radical because they live and work very close to me. Um, so we were just talking, and it was a little bit of experience to drive on the GP circuit again but uh, yeah, I mean sports cars saloon cars whatever it be um, would definitely be an option I'd like to stay in racing if Formula 1 doesn't work out and do be a professional racing driver of some sort but uh, at the moment it's it's solely F1 is the aim um, and we'll keep focused on that as long as it is re- realistic Just finally uh, this is kind of it it almost takes over your life now at your you're at this level. Um, what is your kind of lifestyle like? How, especially during this off season, how does your day plan out? What's an average day like? Um, that's a difficult question to answer because there's there is no average day. Um, pretty much most most days you go to the gym. That's the the one common thing. But normally it's just tra- traveling around the country, seeing different people, um, preparing for next year whether it be yeah, on the mental side or physically. That's the, the, the two simple things you can do as a driver, but also there's a lot of networking that needs to be done, a lot of plans that need to, need to be sorted, sorted out. Um, there's still testing going on, so you've got to organize that. I do most of my work myself um, in terms of the daily, um, daily work, like uh, emails and booking flights, booking hire cars and all the travel arrangements um, for testing. It uh, just takes time. And sometimes it's very, very easy. Sometimes it can be a bit difficult. Uh, but I don't know, there's just, there's just so many small administrative 
things that need to be done uh, that get neglected during the year just because you don't have time. And so now the off-season is time to catch up and uh, sort all the little problems out.